welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, the podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. In Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Robin of Loxley, played by Kevin Costner, returns from being imprisoned during the Crusades to find his father has been murdered, and the Sheriff of Nottingham, played by Alan Rickman, is abusing his power. After being outcast, Robin joins forces with others in Sherwood Forest to devise a plan to stop the Sheriff. Screenplay by Penn Densham and John Watson, directed by Kevin Reynolds, and released on June 14, 1991. I'm assuming that you've seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, before. Yes. Virtually, this is, you know, one of the biggest box office hits of the year. Uh, so virtually everybody saw it, uh, including me. I didn't <laughs> like it as a kid. Um, I don't remember if I liked it or not growing up. The one thing I liked was <laughs> That probably that, means you didn't if you don't remember liking it. I just remember watching it, and I don't think I hated it. I, I did like um, Maid Marian okay. in this because she was more of like a badass, I guess. Yeah, sure. But I thought she was more of that in this movie, but not really. It was just that one part where she's fighting with Robin and that when they first meet up again. I thought there were, she was... Like she when did she's it more. hiding her identity? Yeah. I yeah. thought she did that more in the movie. Yeah, like even in the climactic scene where They're the both. sheriff and Robin are, are dueling, she's just kind of like cowering in the corner the whole time. Yeah. Which kind of goes against the character they set up for her. Right. And I was like, I know she knows how to fight, so yeah. why didn't she just also fight him? Yeah. But... Yeah, whatever. I just remember liking her, but I think I really like Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've established that I'm not big on period piece type stuff in the first place, and this kind of falls in that category to me. Um, the other thing is, I already had a Robin Hood movie. Yeah, it's the Disney one. Yeah. Which you, is... You don't need anything else they already perfected the robin hood story with the disney cartoon uh yeah well the disney one and then also robin hood men in tights which well that came later though. i know but, but if it wasn't for this movie then we probably wouldn't have robin hood men in tights because it makes yeah. a fun of a lot of the stuff that's happening in this movie that's that's very true i know that's one of your favorite movies i've only seen it once when i was a kid when it basically first came out so i need to rewatch that and um just well i think i'm probably gonna reference it a lot i don't know sure um it's just a lot of this watching a lot of the scenes because i haven't seen this movie um in i don't even know 25 years i have no idea mm -hmm. but i've watched robin hood men in tights much more even though i haven't seen robin hood men in tights in I don't even know, 10-ish years. But, I mean, that movie is more fresh in my mind than this movie. So when seeing certain scenes, I'm just comparing it to the scenes in Robin Hood Men in Tights, and then I'm laughing to myself because I'm thinking about that movie or this movie. It's interesting you mentioned that because when I was watching this, I was comparing it to... The, the Game Disney Boy game. Oh. <laughs> because, like, about a year and a half ago, I played through the Game Boy game as part of my quest to beat them all. And um, 
you know, it's it's based off of the movie, and so there's a lot of scenes that are included in that. Are there like cut scenes? There's yeah, I mean, there's like um, dialogue with like a picture of a person in the corner. Is it the actors? Like no, Kevin no, there's no Austin? digitized images of the oh, actors. Okay. It's all you know, like yeah, yeah. random looking People. things to avoid. <laughs> lawsuits or you know paying people the rights but it is based off of the movie for the most part like there's parts where you have to like battle wild boars and things like that which isn't in here but yeah um, yeah like you know you have to escape from prison and then you know you go see your father but he's gone and then you go try to get marion and there's horse chases and sword fights and stuff it's actually like a surprisingly good game i remember renting the nes one with my cousin as a kid and it was too convoluted and complex to understand um as a kid without an instruction manual but coming into it as a adult playing on a game boy i was able to get it done but anyway but yeah like a lot of those scenes were obviously very fast paced in the game boy game but it's not far off from how it is in the movie because everything moves super super quick in this even yeah, though it's even a two and a half hour long. movie virtually everything is just like truncated to the nth degree where you know robin is imprisoned at the very start of the movie he's out in jerusalem as part of the third crusades and he gets captured and he's trying to save his friend peter um unsuccessfully but he's able to escape with this guy azim who he didn't know before but you know he just rescues and then they become best friends so he's in the prison trying to escape and he rescues azim and everything and that whole sequence of him being enslaved and then breaking out is basically like the first like two minutes of the movie yeah well they gotta set up that story because they don't show that in the Disney movie. No, they don't. They don't talk about the Crusades, like, at all. Which, I mean, children are not gonna know about war. They're not gonna teach children about war and stuff. It's like, in the Disney movie, it's already established that Robin Hood and, like, little John and the Merry Men are all BFFs already. Yeah, he's already in Sherwood Forest. Yeah. He's already an outcast. They don't say why, but he's, you know. Yeah. So this is like they have the, band the original Mary, setup, like compared to the folk tale from all the way from like the 12th century or something. But it's just interesting that you have like such a very, very quick setup. Um, and it, you know, the sets in that look pretty, I mean, they're professional, I guess, but they're very obviously sets. I mean, I made the joke to you that it looked like Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah, it did. Because, you know, it was just very obvious, you know, just for, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, and then, and then they're back in, um, merry old England, I guess. <laughs> well, four months later. It's yeah, not there's like, like a little thing that says four months later, but, you know, we don't see anything that happens in those four months. Like, all his, uh, troubles and getting there, I mean... And it's just a bunch of... Yeah, we don't know how he got connected with the people on the boat. Like, he at some point, he plans an ambush on Azim to see, like, how loyal he is or if he would stay with him, which is stupid and weird, and we don't know how that got set up. You know, like, those boat people that brought them to shore, yeah, like, yeah, attacked yeah. him randomly. Yeah. Like, that, I don't know. Like, just They're like, weird let's little see setups. if he's gonna save my life like he said he would. I guess. And then... Well, yeah, along the way, well, he had super long hair and, like, a beard and a mustache. And along the way, his hair is short and he's shaven. Yeah. And, um... And he lost his British accent, I guess, somewhere well, along the Well, I kept on... When I was looking at the trivia, it was just... Like, the director just didn't want Kevin Costner to do a British accent. Yeah. Because I think Kevin was really trying to do it. But he even hired a coach, and then I guess his British accent wasn't good enough. That, yeah, I mean, I get it. But you can kind of, it kind of like went in and out, and it was weird. He was probably trying. I mean, Will Scarlet didn't have one either. I think... Because that was another American was, actor, Christian yeah. Slater, playing him. 
It's just like the people who were British had the British accents. The right. the actors who are British kept their British accents and then the actors who are American just kept their original accents. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. It was weird, but I mean, I quickly got over it. I didn't really care. Yeah, I just, I just think it's funny because not everyone is speaking, whatever, the same dialects, but who, whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's worth mentioning. I thought it was really just maybe to sort of reinforce the whole thing that you see in a lot of historical epics from American film yeah. older days where you have the good guys speaking the American accent and the bad guys are speaking the British accent I thought might be trying to play off of that a bit more but not really but not intentionally at least it doesn't seem um, I mean there's a lot of things that could have been done in this I mean so like right after they get off the boat then there's immediately like an, uh, a kid getting chased by Guy of Gisborne and, and a bunch of other random people then Robin has to try to save them while Azim is off praying because, you know, he's a, a devout religious person. And I think one of the things that probably confused me a little bit as a kid is that he always just calls Robin Christian. Because he's And I didn't realize Christian. it was a religion. I, didn't, I honestly didn't realize it was like a religious oh. reference. Oh. So I didn't well. understand where the name came from or that he wasn't. You know what I mean? The whole... Co- uh, I'm not from, like, a super religious family. Didn't go to organized religious churches or anything like that, so... Well, yeah, the Crusades is... That was what the war was about. Yeah, but 11-year-olds are not being taught about the Crusades yet in school. So there's, like, a lot of context that's missing from the whole thing. Right, that's why I'm saying, like, the Disney movie is not going to talk about the Crusades because what, like, child is going to be, like the fuck is a moor and whatever the fuck but that's why they just like go straight to like robin hood and his merry men stealing from the rich and taking to the poor but so as a so as a kid i didn't understand why what was they're like who's christian yeah i didn't understand the subtext of things as an adult i was wondering why aren't they addressing this a bit more like, why aren't they diving deeper into these themes that they're sort of, like, setting up? Because they do literally, like, set these things up where Azim can't help him fight because he's in the middle of his prayer. Yeah. You know, and he's calling Robin Christian on a regular basis. It's, you know, the the aspect of religion and crusades is set up in the beginning. So, like, why is this stuff not addressed more? And, they, and I'm sure it's just because it's meant to be, like, a happy, fun action film. Right. I mean, they do a good job of showing Azim's religion. Yeah, with a, respect. To, yeah, with respect. And not making fun of it. And, um... Yeah, honestly, the movie makes fun of people who are... The Christians. Uh, bigoted towards him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, and, and basically showing, like, hey, no, you're in the wrong for judging this person just because of his skin color or his religion. Or it's mostly, yeah, the because of this war, it's like all the people, obviously, like in England, are going to be like, even with the blind man. Duncan, or, yeah. Duncan. Who's, who's the, the father, Lord Longsley's right-hand man. But when Lord Loxley is killed, he's left um, For, with his like, eyes taken out. Yeah. And uh, just he's left there. himself at the manor that's burned down. Yeah, there's just a point where he was like, well, those damn moors. And yeah, if, if, if it weren't for the moors, Robin never would have been off like taken, overseas. Yeah. And Azim, well, he doesn't know that Azim is Moorish. Mm-hmm. Until he says, Azim, that's an interesting name. What, what is, you know, what is that? And he's like, it's Moorish. And then he's like, oh, but yeah. he's not like, you're a traitor. Like I want, he's just like, yeah. oh, I said something stupid in front of you. Yeah. I think what I'm trying to get at a little bit is that they have all these themes. They have all of this stuff. Even, even the take from the rich and give to the poor stuff is kind of glossed over in a way. Yeah, they... 
they show them robbing these rich people. It's like a brief montage. And now all of a sudden, you know, the the town gets burned down because of stuff that has happened over the course of months that's in this, like, 30-second montage. And now there's this huge society living in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think... all the people that they've given, that's stolen the money to and given to the poor, that it's, you know, the sheriff has found out and then they just go and burn their entire village. So those poor people now live in the forest with Robin and his merry men trying to build their own community. Right. But I think the movie misses an opportunity to have some of those deeper conversations. And I don't think it has to. Right? I'm not trying to say that this is something that the movie has to do. But if you want to take it to like the upper echelon of movies, like, let's say, something like Terminator 2, where you have this big action movie, but you have these deep conversations, or at least, you know, a lot of implied information within this about, like, fate, if you or, you know, technology versus nature, and all these other things that are sort of interwoven in something like Terminator, that's presented as a concept here, but never explored in the way that it could have been to really elevate the movie. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that it has to, but it was disappointing from my standpoint because I saw... It was there. It was there right for the picking, and they just let it go. Um, especially, you know, when talking about, like, class, and, you know, obviously you have the sheriff who's taxing people nonstop and just hoarding wealth. When a movie like Dutch <laughs> does a better job of what? explaining class system mm. than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves where the central character is known for taking from the rich and giving to the poor, that's a problem to me. Mm. So, structurally, script-wise, it kind of falls flat from that standpoint. Obviously, again, like I said, a lot of the stuff that is happening here is moving very fast, even though it's a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Um, It's all very melodramatic. And... So what's left is the big action pieces, really. Yeah, showing his bow skills and using the camera work to see how fast the bow goes. Yeah, and there's a couple different ways that they do that, which are both very effective and iconic, I think, shots. Yeah. Or you have the, the bow sort of attached to the camera and probably sped up so that, you know, you see the bow, um, I'm sorry, the arrow. Yeah. uh, Flying through the air and then splitting a pre-existing arrow. It's already attached to a tree. Um, And then you have other shots where, like, near the end when he's... When they all ambush that hanging i guess and yeah the one with the the fire right? yeah there's a big explosion that happens behind robin and that's like the backdrop this big huge thing of flames and then he shoots this bow and it's in super slow motion i mean yeah that's that's definitely interesting i don't know none of it really like wowed me though i think at the time being in the perspective of the arrow, like, see how fast this goes. Yeah. That was cool. But, I mean, we're so, like, whatever to it now. (laughs) Even just, like, a lot of the set design here, it just looked like kind of what you even said before, very pit in the pendulum. Even though I know the exterior stuff was probably at real castles or whatever in England, but like the interior just looked like what you said. But I mean, just watching like Game of Thrones now with their fighting right. <laughs> and the choreography of all that, and it's just like how I don't, it's just, you know, the time has passed where like everything has changed. Where a TV show, like an HBO show, is like all of the explosions and whatever the hell fighting skills are just like much better than this movie. 
even the set design and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's but there's a different level of because artistry of, like, that's involved. The time period. Yeah, and obviously, like technology changes even in terms of like building and constructing sets. Yeah, you know, so like it's easier to mold things or three D print things or whatever. I don't know what the hell they do, but in this one, like in the climactic scene where you have Robin fighting the sheriff, you can almost like see the seams of the railings that are going to break. They look super fragile. They look like they are. Yeah, you know, like the bricks toys, or whatever. Toy commercial They look stuff. like paper mache things that are yeah. pre-broken. So when someone slams into it, it just, you know, shatters, whatever. Right. Um, and, and again, like a lot of it, it looks very detailed, right? So there's a lot of yeah. care that was put into this, but there's still some weird little lack of polish i guess i don't know i don't want to say that because I'm, i know that these people were very professional and they did the best they could mm-hmm. but there's still something that kind of is missing and maybe that had to do with the way it was lit or something else that you know i don't know we, we talked about the camera movement and the camera that might play a factor too maybe this movie is surprisingly I don't know it, it, it's a little bit more 90s than i expected it to be yeah watching it now i was kind of just like laughing at the acting i was like really i don't know well, i mean it, and, the movie's trying to be funny at times but i think that's because um of alan brickman like he just like went he just took it to another level but i was like fine with that rickman is the best part of the movie yeah but, and then even reading the trivia where he, I guess when he was reading the script for this movie, he was kind of like scoffing at it. And a lot of the lines and stuff and scenes that he did was him improvising to make it better. Yeah, it, it, from what we were reading, it seems like he was basically given carte blanche to do whatever, whatever he wanted with the character. Which, I mean, it worked because this guy's like a big baby. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Kinda. Just like this narcissistic baby, (laughs) I guess. But, yeah, also... Man-child. But with, you know, like a a villainous... Yeah, he's he's also very... um, He he just doesn't give a shit about anything except for himself. But he he is super, super over the top. Yeah. it's it works it works really well because yeah it basically shows him being this entitled baby who can do powerful things so you know it's a it's a dangerous combination when you have somebody who doesn't have a level head who doesn't have a lot of um self-awareness and then you know (laughs) it goes off on these tirades and everything uh and then you can you compound that a little bit by having a lot of close-ups. You have a lot of like minor fisheye lens things that are going on here yeah, too. Him. And there's like that one part where he has his head like cocked to the side. Like that's like a '90s music video shot, you know? Yeah, that's all. And it's always a close-up of his face, of Alan's face, doing um, faces. Right. <laughs> but it, and I don't know, is that. Why? <laughs> Why do that? You're trying to get something that's a little bit more stylized. You're trying to get something that's a little bit more intense. Um, to show, like, the view. Because when he did that, when he cocked his head to the side, that's he. it was him talking to Will Scarlet, who was hanging upside down. So, right. like, we're just seeing, like, Will Scarlet's... Yeah, the point of view. Point of view. And that happens a few times, too, where, like, you know... When Maid Marian in her in her mask is fighting against Robin and yeah, you whatever. see her like point you see of view. her point of view and, and through a mask. Robin's looking at the camera, trying to fight back. So yeah, like, that kind of thing does happen a few different times. That was yeah. I guess that was just a new '90s thing to be in the point of view. Yeah, it's to bring it the, into, the, uh, like, into the now. The viewer is now in the point of view of like the other person as if the other person is speaking to you and not to that other person (laughs) 
Yeah, we. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in a couple other movies as well, but I mean, movie making evolves and the camera equipment also evolves too. So we talk about how set design, it's easier probably, uh, you know, or you have more tools at your disposal now than you did in the 90s. Same thing with camera work compared to, you know, a decade prior, the camera is a lot more mobile. It's a lot more, you know, malleable. Whereas before you had to have in like set positions or you needed specific equipment to do certain movements. Now people can do a lot more stuff handheld that you couldn't do before. And so, you know, I think they're just taking advantage of that as well. And now a lot of times they don't even bother with that crap or they have like predetermined computer generated movements, sort of like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where you had that big old hallway sequence fight scene yeah, where but... things are like zipping around. They probably had the camera just do a whole bunch of like predetermined move sets and then the actors had to go around that or, or you know, just to composite it in. Sometimes the shots are just completely made out of computers. So Yeah. And but that I for that, that it it just um look that was meant to be seen in a three D setting. But it doesn't have to be. And this is meant to be seen in like a big screen. So when you see Alan Rickman's face, you're seeing it really big. Yeah, you're seeing like this 150 foot tall head staring at you or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that's tough to keep in mind as a contemporary audience in the 2020s. That, you know. Right. And some of these things we are seeing are, on are our, intended for a larger, larger screen. Yeah, you. a lot of people are watching it now and it's just like on their laptop or a TV or whatever. Yeah. It's not effective like when you go to the theater. Yeah. Trying to think of the difference of the impact of those types of things. It's tough to keep that in mind sometimes. But, I, I mean, it does do some... It does try to be a little bit more contemporary. It tries to be slightly funny. It doesn't go over the top with it. And most of the jokes aren't really actually good. Um, you know, you have that fight scene between Little John and, and Robin in, in the stream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of it, Little John's like, Hold on, I can't swim, I can't swim, I can't swim. You got me. Uh, and Robin's like, just stand up. You're in, you're in shallow water. Just stand up. Which, yeah, I mean, the scene in Robin Hood Minute Tights is, that parody is hilarious. Yeah, just taken to the extreme. They take it more to the extreme, where it's not a big river, it's just like this tiny stream where you can just jump, you can literally jump over it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's that type of stuff that's happened. Um... Yeah, it's weird. Like, a lot of these scenes, I related them to either the Game Boy game or I related them to the Disney movie. It's tough because this movie definitely does have its own identity that it's building. Yeah, and it's the the biggest difference in this movie from, I guess, even from the English folk tale is that it wasn't Sheriff of Nottingham that was taking over the throne. It was the prince. Like, Prince John. Because Sheriff yeah. of Nottingham was, like, the sidekick who had to do all of the prince's dirty work. But in this one, it's like Sheriff of Nottingham has there his cousin, yeah. Guy of Gis Ginsborn, doing all the dirty work for him. Yeah. So that's, like, the biggest... I, yeah. and I, Prince John like, does not exist in this Yeah, he movie doesn't even exist, all. which was, the, I was like wondering, well, in the folktale and even in the Disney movie and Robin Hood Men in Tights, it's like Prince John is taking over because his father, King Richard, is out at the Crusades fighting. So his right. son is like, oh, I'm now in charge, but I'm going to be a big fucking dick. And he has the sheriff doing like his side work and they don't they don't even show that story at all which is like really i wonder why you can't beat peter Euston as prince john from the robin hood cartoon that's all <laughs> like that that character is like i don't know that talk about a baby that is right. like a literal have, baby in robin hood almost um so you have the sheriff of Nottingham, like Alan Rickman doing that role, 
but yeah, I mean, he's like even a mix of the two in a way. Yeah, kind of that. And then, but I also am thinking about Richard Lewis as Prince John because mm. he's just like he's kind of like a clueless, like bumbling idiot, but he's also. Like, he just doesn't know what he's doing, but he just wants to be in charge. And he just has, you know, Sheriff of Rottingham, who was Roger Reese in Men and Tights, doing mm. all of, like, the bad stuff. But in just Richard Lewis being kind of like the whiny baby. Which, I don't know now, why they would... Yeah, I mean, you have a two and a half hour that. <laughs> movie. You don't need all of that, I guess. So they just but... combined that character with Sheriff of Nottingham, but then he had you just make him another character who is his cousin to do the sheriff's actual work. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, because when people think about the villain in the Robin Hood story, they think about the Sheriff of Nottingham. They don't think about Prince John. Because Prince John is just sitting on a throne being like, oh, why? Like, I just want to be rich. He's he's the puppet master pulling the strings. Right. Is is the intention. Uh, Does Morciana, Mordiana, does she exist in other lore as well? In Minotite, hell yeah. Okay. I guess that has been once. Okay. So, because I, I don't remember like a witch one of character. The best parts. But I don't remember there being a witch character in, in a Robin Hood. Oh, so. Robin Hood. They probably didn't do. I don't remember that. Because, I mean, like, obviously, Men in Tights is Because that would be kind of, like, scary. Because she's kind of a scary character. Like, I mean, like, in other Robin Hood stories as well. Like, oh, and Robin. I don't know if that's just part of the normal story. Oh, like, in the, the actual. One. The. The. Yeah, the actual, actual folktale. I don't know if that That, exists. I don't know. But, I mean, because the whole thing about the Crusades is, you know, about religion and whatever. And then with this movie is that you have Sheriff of Nottingham, like, telling everyone that the king that he... Robin's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord Loxley. Lord Loxley. The, basically like a one-scene cameo the from king. Brian Blessed. Is like a devil worshiper. <laughs> And then so all the people are, like, turning on the Lord, mm-hmm. Lord Loxley, because, you know, whatever. This yeah. is, like, satanic panic all the way in, like, medieval times era. And then you have a crew that is in, like, garb, sort of reminiscent of the KKK, come and right. kill him. I'm assuming that was intentional to have them be in all-white garb with torches yeah. and stuff. Even Just though... like yeah, torching up the Lord Loxley's um, tower yeah, yeah. and where he lives in his village and whatever the hell. So then, like, um, th- when Robin does come back, they're also thinking that he's like a devil worshiper because <laughs> his father was. But in reality, it was Sheriff of Nottingham using this witch to do dark magic and whatever to determine what's gonna happen to him yeah sort of like an old school oracle from greek mythology yeah you know because uh, yeah it's never like specifically implied like what the religion is but it is like witchcraft and they use like blood and yeah which is and... like demonic in yeah, that yeah, t- yeah. in that times and they um and she looks demonic too because she has like the the, the white, one eye the one know, glass like, eye or whatever the whited over everything and Tracy Ullman was the witch in... Oh, okay. (laughs) And she has, like, one of the best parts where her name is Latrine. (laughs) 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 And her... uh, Just the... (laughs) Like, the the prince is like, oh, such an unusual name. And she's like, yeah, it used to be (laughs) Shithouse. Yeah, I need to watch that again. So... Uh... But yeah, in, in this movie... In this movie, Mortiana is not, like... <laughs> she's just kind of, like, kept in a room. She's and like whenever the magic she... mirror for the Wicked Witch and Snow White. It's yeah, like, but... Is, is everything still going according to plan? And she, like, rolls the dice and be like, yep, or nope. Yeah, but no one really knows about her except for the the one priest that the sheriff is, like, forcing him to... 
do shit for him too. Right. Yeah. There's there. Yeah. There's like religious influence that's under the sheriff's control. Yeah. I mean, but part of this is because even though it's a long movie, there was a big subplot that was cut with her. I'm not sure if you read the about Mortiana? that. The Mortiana. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Oh. Uh, she is the sheriff's mother. Oh, okay. And there's a whole bunch of scenes that were cut out that show her spying on him to um, oh. to know what he was going to be asking her so that she, you know, so that she could, like, act like a fortune teller, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but really she was just spying on him and knew all the answers because she was spying on him, not because she was some, you know... Great oracle. ...worldly person. So a lot of that stuff was just straight up cut out as well as, like, the reference to her being the sheriff's mother but that's what i mean was that makes sense because at the part where he is forcing lady lady marion to marry him and she's like touching her stomach yeah and it's like oh you can she's, give, give us a pure you can give us a pure air or whatever like right. you'll have a boy like she's like really excited for lady marion to have a boy but i was like why is this old witch like obsessed with her having like a baby yeah but okay that would be like her grandchild Mm -hmm. okay yeah that makes sense because i was like you don't show because i don't know if sheriff of nottingham just like came upon her and she's like you're gonna be like a chosen one or something right like i foresee you taking over this village and you're gonna be a king or whatever and you're gonna have an heir, but you gotta do these horrible things to get there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's just some of the stuff that was cut out. Um, so oh well. I mean, the only downside to that is that probably means we missed out on some additional Rickman scenes. But he even there, there's even a part where when they're in the church when they get Lady Marian, I think where he. He takes like a little girl and he's confronting in this little like I had like a horrible childhood and Yeah, he's like on his like he's bending down to like console and with this little child. Yeah. Cuz she was the little child was like taken captive after like the sheriff raids the Sherwood Forest camp. Mm-hmm. Some of the children and people were taken away like Will Scarlet and the the kid from the beginning who's little John's son. Yeah, Wolf. Wolf, he's taken away as well. And, he, you know, all these people are going to be hung in the town square to be made an example of. And, like, Sheriff's present to Maid Marian for the wedding is that he is going the to hanging. spare these children. Oh. Well, except for Wolf. like they... <laughs> Except for Wolf, because he's, yeah, actively, like, fighting. He's like, right. old enough to be a terror to him. So. But, yeah, so he's, yeah, he's delightfully, like, oblivious to the irony of what he's saying uh i mean same thing for will scarlet there's that little subplot too where will scarlet just kind of hates robin of Logsley. and then we don't see why until the very very end right he's like they reveal that will scarlet is his younger like a half brother Mm -hmm. but i don't i kind of didn't it's like Robin Hood didn't even know he had a half-brother at all. Right. Very true. And I'm... Okay, I don't know, like, how old Robin Hood's supposed to be. Like, when, how old when he left to go on the Crusades and, like, how long he was gone, you know? Because well, I was it's, like... it's not just about that. <clears throat> so it was Will Scarlet... This is all stuff that happened, like, way before the movie. Because, yeah. Because um, Robin's dad uh you know robin's mom passed away yeah and then lord loxley took another person in a wife and was like you know happy but robin drove her away like he he basically like he hated her so much that he drove her away yeah right and and always resented his father and apparently she was pregnant but he didn't know that robin didn't know that because i thought it was yeah, I wasn't in the middle of the crusade stuff. That's what I was like. Did the father take a second wife and have a child? And Will Scarlet is 
now I, don't, I mean he's probably like what early 20s <laughs> i have no idea yeah that's why i was like how long was robin hood away on the this crusades to yeah, no. not know that he had a brother no will okay. will just had resentment because he was an outcast from birth because of because of him, robin's um robin. spoiled brat past yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and robin's i don't know robin's not a great character either just yeah. you know he's I mean, he does the right thing, but he's very aloof most of the time. At the very beginning of the movie, he is very much a spoiled rich kid uh, and, and acts like it pretty much at every turn. Um, but very quickly, like when confronted with actual real life situations and realizes, you know, that, oh, money won't get me out of this problem. He does the right thing. But I mean, I never like, I never get the sense of like hero from him. I never get the sense of like, leader from him yeah, even though he autumn, is they, that. after he has that fight with little john and flips him over in that river everyone right. they're like all bffs automatically and then they automatically look up to robin like he you're the leader because you beat our current leader and Basically. then little john was like okay with it yeah I mean, maybe because he had such a huge family that he was trying to support and didn't want the extra money. It was just like the dude that, because he seemed like a big, burly, like tough guy. And like if you, this guy just got beat by Robin Hood and now he's okay with being like Robin Hood's right hand man all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Again, a lot of stuff just kind of gets pushed along for the sake of progression. You know, there's there's not a lot of in-depth discussion of, of these things. It's just sort of, yep, this happened, now this happened, now this happened, now this happened. Don't forget that this happened, but this also happened just now. So, yeah, I don't know. And then at the end, you know, good guys win. Robin and Marion get married. King Richard crashes the wedding. He's back from the Crusades now. And surprise, it's Sean Connery as a cameo. Yeah. And then you have Friar Tuck looking directly at the camera at the very end, telling us to basically get the fuck out of the theater. Which, that that was a thing also in Robin Hood Men in Tights, sort of. Because it's so jarring. Like, it's so stupid to have, like, in any movie where you don't address the audience. Like, make it, they're making this a non-serious movie by showing that. Yeah, it's kind of just like, I don't know. Like, is it meant to be a drama there's no winks to the audience up until that point. Yeah. It just is a thing that happened a lot back in the day. But people who probably saw this in the movie theater are like, oh, ho, 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 he talked to me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like, feel like, like he broke the fourth I'm wall like, and uh, spoke to the audience. Uh, I like that guy, though. Michael Machine. Yeah, he. Yeah, I know who he is because he's on the original um, Who's Line. Yeah, the, that, the like, British Who's Line. That was like the my. I don't know. Maybe that's partly what was weird about it too. Is like, oh my god, the guy from Who's Line is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, the British one from eighties and nineties. But he's not British. He's actually American as well. Yeah. But he has done other British stuff, and now he does like voice acting like Bugs Life and Final Fantasy and Spawn and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we covered most of the... There's no point in going over most of <laughs> the other stuff. I mean, we we, we rarely talked about Azim as a character. I mean, uh, Just I a little d- bit. But I, he's, he's like, really think, the leader in this thing, in a way. He's, I, like, a silent leader. I do like Morgan Freeman and Alan Rickman in this movie. And Mary Elizabeth Antonio, But it's just, like... Seeing like Kevin Costner as Robin Hood, I'm not. I wasn't like believing it. It was just. I hate to say it, it was kind of bland. It was just kind of there. And I also was just reading in the trivia that you know, just a lot of the original casting where the director did want to use Carrie Elwes. Hmm. It, it would have been interesting to see, I don't know, I just, but I don't know how they got to Kevin Costner, just because he was like, 
huge star. It guy in the early 90s. Like, a lot of women thought he was, like, a heartthrob at that point. So they're like, let's use Kevin Costner. But, I mean, I'm not into it, so I don't know. I mean, huge, huge star. I mean, you got Dances with Wolves and Field of Dreams back to back. I just don't understand the appeal of Kevin Costner. But I, I guess... Not until maybe, like, The Bodyguard. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but... Yeah, it, there's... It's it's a good cast. It's an interesting cast. It's a big cast. Um, but having Costner as the lead, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I don't think it served the movie well. I just don't see him as a Robin Hood type. When I think of Robin Hood, I also think of, like, Peter Pan, you know. So, like, a Yeah, like a smaller... No, someone who's, like, a funny, charming type of guy. Oh, sure. I I don't know. I'm thinking Disney cartoon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why. But, (laughs) and then, just, Kevin Costner just seems kind of, like boring and i'm all but whatever sure audiences obviously uh bought into it like i said is the third highest grossing movie of the year budget of about 48 million worldwide made 390 so even in its opening weekend 25.6 million not too bad um we can get into some of the awards here too so we got a couple of them, not tons. Uh, Oscar nominated for original song that lost to Beauty and the Beast. We'll talk about the song later. Everyone knows this song. We've talked about the song a bunch, but we're going to talk about it again. Golden Globe nominated for best song and best score from Michael Kamen. Uh, BAFTA nominated for costume design. Winner of the BAFTA for best supporting actor for Alan Rickman. At the Razzie Awards, it was nominated for worst supporting actor for Christian Slater. It won Worst Actor for Kevin Costner. At the Saturn Award, uh, it was nominated for Best Costumes, Best Supporting Actress uh, for Master Tonio, uh, Supporting Actor Rickman, Actor Costner, and Best Fantasy Film. It didn't win a single one at the Saturns. And then also a Grammy Award win for uh, Best Song, written for a TV show or movie. MTV Movie Awards, that's the best one right there. Uh, it's part of the quotes montage. I don't know what quote. I, I can't think of a, like an actual good quote in this. Uh, maybe something it, from Rickman, but... Maybe. Is it... They may have not have included this, but the part where when Lady Marion visits him in the forest and she does quote, everything I do, I do it for you. Yeah, there's two different times when, like, lyrics from the song appear in the script. Yeah. And the score becomes, like, an instrumental Yeah, it's an instrumental interlude. So there's, like, a point where she's leaving and she does say that to him. And that little instrumental of the song plays and they're looking at each other over their shoulders. Yeah, I wonder if the song lyric was planned ahead of time or if it was just sort of um, something that... Michael came in through was in like, there let's throw knew. it in because this song's gonna be huge. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't look that up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, at the MTV Movie Awards, it won for Best Movie Song, nominated for Best Villain for Alan Rickman, also nominated for Best Male Performance, Most Desirable Male, Most, uh, I'm sorry, Best Female Performance, and also Best On Screen Duo for Costner and Morgan Freeman. Also nominated for Best Movie. So the only win was for Best Movie Song. Cast and crew, I'm going to go over uh, just basically the major players for the most part. There are a lot of smaller characters uh, in this as well. But Kevin Reynolds is the director. Also um, Emmy nominated for Hatfield and McCoys, the TV miniseries. Razzie nominated for Waterworld. He also did things like Fandango and Beast of War, uh, 187 and The Count of Monte Cristo. Penn Densham and John Watson wrote a lot of the same stuff. Penn has a little bit more credits to his name, but primarily all of these that I'm about to mention are for both of them. Oscar nominated uh, twice over, once for a live short movie uh, called Lifetimes Nine from 1974, and also Best Documentary Short for Don't Mess With Bill in 1981. 
Uh, they also did uh, the TV show Space Rangers, Mall Flanders, Larger Than Life, a Houdini TV show, Magnificent Seven TV show, and then the Outer Limits TV show. Kevin Costner, Robin of Loxley. We'll talk about him again in 1991's JFK. Uh, but for now, what you need to know is Oscar winner for directing and producing Dances with Wolves and nominated for acting in that same movie. Emmy winner for Hatfield and McCoy's. Golden Globe winner for directing Dances with Wolves and also acting uh, in Yellowstone. Uh, nominated for acting in Dances, JFK, Tin Cup. MTV Award nominated for The Bodyguard. Razzie nominated for a whole bunch of stuff like The Bodyguard. <laughs> Wyatt Earp, Waterworld, The Postman, For Love of the Game, Message in a Bottle, 3,000 Miles to Graceland, and also nominated for The Worst Actor of the Century. Uh, Morgan Freeman as Azim, Oscar winner for Million Dollar Baby, also nominated for Street Smart, Driving Miss Daisy, Shawshank Redemption, and Invictus. Emmy nominated for Story of God with, Ford, with Morgan Freeman, also nominated for March of the Penguins 2 and The Kaminsky Method. MTV Movie Award nominated for the movie 7 as part of the best duo with Brad Pitt. Golden Globe winner for Driving Miss Daisy. Um, and then nominated for the same stuff as he uh, was nominated for an Oscar for. And he also is the 2012 Cecil B. DeMille Award winner at the Golden Globes as well. Image Award winner for Lean On Me, Amistad, Deep Impact, Bruce Almighty. Nominated for Seven, Nurse Betty, Along Came a Spider, High Crimes, Red, Magic of Bell Isle, The Lego Movie, and more. <laughs> the reason I'm going through some of these credits is because these are primarily the only 1991 movies for some of these actors. Um, for instance, Morgan Freeman's only in The True Story of Glory which, as a narrator. I don't think we're going to get to that one. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, of course, he got his start is Dracula in the Electric Company TV show. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio. I think I still messed that up. She's in the 1991 movie Class Action. She's been in Scarface, Limbo, Without a Trace, Limitless, Blind Spot. Those last three years. TV shows. Also, Oscar and Golden Globe nominated for The Color of Money and Saturn nominated for The Abyss. Christian Schlater. <laughs> Christian Slater as Will Scarlet. He's going to be in 1991's Mobsters and also Star Trek VI. Probably a small role in that. I don't know. Um, he's been in things like Heather is the Wizard, Gleaming the Cube, Golden Globe winner, and two times nominated for Mr. Robot, Spirit nominated for Pump Up the Volume. Saturn nominated for True Romance, MTV Movie Award Most Desirable Male Nominations for Cuffs and Interview with a Vampire, and winner for Untamed Heart, Best Kiss nominations for True Romance and winner for Untamed Heart, and Best Fight nomination for Broken Arrow. Whew. Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. He's in two more 1991 movies that I don't think I've heard of all that much, so we probably, I don't know if they're even on our list. Closetland and Close My Eyes. Never even. So I, I don't know if they're on our list. A lot of these foreign movies, you know, even British movies, never came overseas, so we don't have a way to watch them. Golden Globe and Emmy nominated... I'm sorry, Golden Globe and Emmy winner for Rasputin. Emmy nominated for Something the Lord Made. BAFTA nominated for Truly Madly Deeply. Sense and Sensibility. Michael Collins. Saturn nominated for Galaxy Quest. Sweeney Todd and Harry Potter. Deathly Hallows Part 2. And surprisingly, no nominations I could find for Die Hard which is where a lot of people got to know him first in the U.S. probably. So that's, a, that's about it. I mean, you know, like I said, we've a lot of, a lot of people in this. Um, Michael Kamen did the score, which I think was very heavily implemented in the movie. Yeah. But it wasn't that terrible. Um, there's like a very small section that was... I don't know. It was very recognizable, and I realized that the re well, I, I saw in the IMDb trivia that the reason for that is that it was used for Morgan Creek Productions after the fact. Okay. So I, I can't even, like, I couldn't even tell you the melody right now, but when you hear it, you kind of recognize it, and that's because it was used for Morgan Creek Productions and also some of the Disney DVD promos used the exact same, like, string or whatever. So, yeah. He's Oscar nominated for this and also Don Juan DeMarco, Emmy nominated for From the Earth to the Moon, two Grammy wins for the Robin Hood, um, and then also two f wins for Mr. Holland's Opus, which he also did 
And he also co-wrote Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman with What's-His-Face. Brian. Brian. <laughs> That's interesting for, Brian the, for the Don Juan. So he did this song, Everything I Do. And then, and then also have you ever really Adams loved a with, woman? Yeah, for Don Juan. It's interesting. Yeah. It, it was him, Brian Adams, and um, Butch. Um, God, I didn't write the name down. The guy, Shania Twain's ex. Okay. Yeah. Butch, whatever his name is. Yeah. I, Mutt. Mutt. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I, I saw his name. Yeah. So those three combined on on both of those songs. Um, also, Michael came into the score for the nineteen ninety one movies. Company business, let him have it, and the last Boy Scout. So there we go. He also composed the theme music for the X Files. Oh, nice. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Oh. I focused just on his 1991 credits because I knew that this was going to be a long section just from like the five people I talked about. On to true crime and pop culture we go. We already talked about the video games. Obviously, this also had action figures. You know, and, Which is and so weird. A Topps trading card set as well. I just think, like, the way they made it appeal to children was so weird. Because it's not really a kid's movie. I mean, it's not not a kid's movie. It's PG-13. I mean, it's because... And then and it's they, an action movie with, like, bows They have and one F word, and that was when Will Scarlet said, Oh, fuck, they made it. Yeah, they're catapulting <laughs> Robin and Azim over the wall to help uh, rescue people. And so that... He's like, oh, fuck, they made it. Yeah. Which was improvised by Slater, I think. Yeah. And it, it's just a lot versions. of improv. <laughs> All right, well, this movie was... I don't have a lot because we already, already included what I wanted to really say. Okay. Um, Like, mainly about the folktale differences. Um, but this movie was released on June 14th, 1991, which was a Friday, and it was the same day as Kickboxer 2. Oh, man. And it obviously was number one that we can't <laughs> not Kickboxer kick, had no kick chance. Kickboxer 2, I don't know what where it was on that weekend. But, Sorry, Cody, from Step by Step. Yeah. But... I'll just talk a little bit about the soundtrack. It, so the score was composed, orchestrated, and conducted by Michael Kamen. And it's the soundtrack is mostly the score, except for two songs. Obviously, you have the Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. But there was another song called Wild Times. I don't know when it was played in the movie. Or if it was played at all. Or maybe it was played during the credit scene, like at the very, very end. But it was sung by Jeff Lynne, who... He's the lead singer of ELO. Yeah. But uh, the soundtrack was released on July 2nd, 1991. Which is weird, because usually soundtracks come like either before or yeah. right when the movie's released. And obviously it did well because of the Everything I Do, I Do It For You song. And that song was like on number one for like 16 weeks in a row. Which, that's why we don't talk about the top five (laughs) (laughs) during the summer, almost into like fall winter because number one is that song <laughs> we got like three episodes into this podcast and we're like eh, top fives are the same crap yeah it's just again. like once i started seeing the top five and it's like the same five songs for like four or five months i'm like okay i'm just not gonna talk about it anymore but the, the soundtrack was released on a two disc cd album in 2017 which had the complete score and then alternates and but it did not have the songs from brian adams or jeff lynn so it was completely the score that was released in 2017 like who would want that yeah 
But then I saw in 2020 the the label. So it was Morgan Creek Productions, the original, and then Intrada Records expanded it. So in 2020, Intrada issued a four-disc album with the film score on the first two C. Like, who's buying CDs in 2020? I mean, the same people who bought the Brian Adams record. Because, like, when I was a kid, I didn't think Well, records now are, like, in. But who's buying CDs now? No, I'm just saying, like, the same people. Because, like, the people (laughs) who bought the Brian Adams song were not people our age, for the most part. They were older people. I'm just... Because Brian Adams was never cool to me. You know, (sighs) he wasn't a hip artist. He was, like... He always seemed like an old fuddy-duddy. Well, because he always did, like the adult contempo songs he was he was the kevin costner of music which i mean yeah i never really like what summer of 69 is that (laughs) i mean it's a good song but you're not like he's cool yeah like bruce springsteen or something (laughs) like i don't even same same category he's not okay he's not cool to me oh because a lot i think he's too old He's too old to be cool to an 11-year-old. I think because a lot of women find him hot, but I don't think anyone has found Brian Adams hot. Oh, I bet you'd be surprised. I don't I don't know. It's his songs are fine because I've all of his hit songs were always played at the grocery store. Yeah, there. I mean saying so, like it's But I don't hate it's them. Cheesy, I don't corny, even any adult contemporary, which is fine. I don't it's hate actually enjoyable this song in certain either. situations. I don't hate it either. I'm just saying he's not cool. Alright. He he is he's like John Cougar Mellencamp. I, I don't he's think the he's the hardcore option for people who listen to Delilah after dark on the radio. Alright, yeah. <laughs> I just never found like He's John the bad Cougar. boy of that group. And so it's but those how is it's he a that bad age boy? group. I, I don't know. I'm just kinda of joking around. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm saying like that's the age group, like the yeah. next generation up from people us. People who are that's like who was buying this. Our age in the nineties were like, Yeah, this that. is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like Sting or something. Right. Like I never found Sting cool. I did buy Sting's album. <laughs> oh well okay. <laughs> the the uh whatever if but I like my, my mom faith did. Alright. Um but anyway. I'm just saying, like, it's it's the next generation up that's probably buying the CDs. It's okay, a long way I'm just, around. I'm surprised that they make CDs still. Yeah. Too. I mean, they're starting to make cassette tapes again now, too. Alright. Everything's retro. But, yeah, in 2020, they made the four-disc album where the film score was on the first two CDs, and then CD3 had alternate takes and additional music, and then the fourth cd is just like the original soundtrack 1991 soundtrack album so if anyone's like a hardcore robin hood prince of thieves fan can get a four disc cd of this they should have like one cd that's just like alan rickman takes (laughs) like yeah i mean that would be funny that would be cool if they showed some bloopers of like alan rickman going off Mm -hmm. and doing other stuff Maybe on a DVD there is. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a Prince of Thieves TV movie that came out in 2001. It had Kira Knightley in it, which I never watched. That's supposed to be specifically based off of this version? It's just another Robin Hood tale. There's so many different Robin Hood versions. We have <laughs> yeah. another 1991 Robin Hood. Yeah. Same the, with Pat- the British Patrick Bergen. Yeah, yeah Patrick Bergman as Robin Hood and then you have it's like Uma Thurman in it so we'll move on to rankings and ratings then we're on your one to five star scale are you going to put Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Uh, I mean I'm just gonna give this a three just go right down to three um man this is a tough one for me I'm gonna on my zero to four star scale I know I shat on it a bunch I'm going to give it a three, because I don't think it was terrible, but I just didn't care, <laughs> you know? I still I, I still didn't care. It wasn't my thing. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No. I no. would watch Robin Hood Men in Tights a million times over. Uh. Yeah, that and, you know, 
Get, the like, Disney one I will watch again. Look, I honestly think that Oodalali is a better song than the Brian Adams song. And Little John and Robin Hood running through the forest. Yeah, Oodalali, Oodalali. That's Oodalali? Oh, okay. Yeah. Golly, what a day. Like, that's that's stuck in my head. That That's the one... I'd rather have that song stuck in my head. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, two better Robin Hood-related movies that we're much more inclined to watch than this one. If you out there want to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, as of this recording in May 2023, it's available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 movie at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies, longer show notes, and more. Next week, we're switching gears. We're out of the action realm. We're going to my own private Idaho. It's also digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then.